0: Welcome to the broadcast of Riverside Church in Princeton, North Carolina. Riverside Church preaching Christ and Him crucified. For more information, check out our website at www.riversidefwb.com your Bible turn, uh, not to Corinthians, not to 1 Corinthians. Now we need to go back to the beginning of where 1 Corinthians began. If you're turning your Bible to Acts chapter number 18. And Acts chapter 18, we see the founding of the church in Corinth. We see where Paul is going into the church in Corinth. We must understand how it was founded, who it was found by, and what were the repercussions here in Acts chapter 18. Oh, don't get me wrong, we will be going into 1 Corinthians, but I have to give you some background on the the city of Corinth. Corinth was a, It's in the southern area of Greece. It's, it's in a, a prevalent place where it was almost called the stairway to Asia. It was a place of trade. But the thing about Corinth, it was a melting pot of people who were coming in with different ideas, different philosophies, different religions. And it was also a place of high traffic. In fact, there was a peninsula along the edge of Corinth. And if you were to go all the way around the whole landmass, it would take 250 miles to get around however many ship shipmen would take their ships and put them on rollers and go over the four miles of the landmass that separated the two oceans just to cut corners and that was always a, a way to get there a little quicker than going to 250 miles around. so it was right there by that trade route that Corinth was established this was the place where uh, where the Artemis was the the main place uh, and where the, the the worship of different different... different gods took place. And there was actually the high city is where people would go for defenses. If the city came under attack because it was a Roman providence, they would run to the tower in the middle of the city. Not just a small tower, but a great tower. They would go in there and and they would hide. But they also will use it as a place of worship. This would be the place where the court prostitutes would come out in the evening and go into the city. It's been recorded that in Corinth. There has been over 1,000 prostitutes who will come down and, and just work in their worship of the community. Notice that the connection between our physical bodies and worship is always together. Notice that what we do with our body is worship. Because, because we see in Romans 12, 1 and 2 that our physical bodies are a tie to how we worship. To help you understand or wrap your head around this, when God saves a man, He saves His book case He saves his web browser. He saves what comes on his television. He saves his conversation. He saves his marriage. He saves his fatherhood. He saves his citizenship. Everything about the man changes because he's worshipping God. But that's also true if you worship pagan deities or false gods or demons as we put them. That God saves the whole man. It's not something that's on the weekend but it's the whole man. We see in Acts chapter 18 the, the very moment that our friend Paul goes into the city of Corinth and he starts teaching and preaching when he does he runs into a man named a, a woman named Priscilla and also Claudius who had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome so he runs into them he runs into a man from Italy and we see that his name is Aquila. He preaches the gospel to them. And what they ha- what takes place is they're persuaded and they're transformed, they're renewed, they're born again. We see that Paul goes to the local synagogue and he preaches in verse 5. Him and his friend Silas and Timothy, they arrive there and they go there and they preach the gospel. However, we see that they want nothing to do with Paul and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what does Paul do? The Bible actually says he shakes out... His his garments in verse number 6. And he says, the blood be on your own head. I'm innocent. That means he preaches the gospel. He does what God has called him to do. He is faithful. It just so happens that the word and the seed fell on bad ground. We've studied that before. The same gospel tonight that will break your heart, will harden the heart of somebody beside you. That's just how it works. There are some people who are gospel hardened. They've heard all this before. That means that their hearts are hardened toward the gospel and Hell has gotten a little hotter for them. Ooh, that's a different sermon. But we see in verse number 7, he left there and went to the house of the man named Titus, just as a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Now we see Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. Paul just rolls into town and starts preaching the gospel in a corrupt city. A place that's saturated with sensuality, wickedness, people who are calling their own shots, people People who are just deciding, well I'm going to do what I want, I'm the master of my domain I'm the master of my destiny and now they hear the gospel and God is breaking new ground causing dry dead bones to live, changing hearts raising Lazarus literally from the dead, speaking to those things that are not, causing people's minds to be transformed. You'll even see where Crispus was saved, but not only Crispus, but the household usually whenever God saves the man of the house, the household follows because when the man of the house is on the highway to hell everybody's going with him because he's driving he's in the front seat and the brake lines are cut that's how it works usually what the heart of the man is is where the family follows so we see here they hear in verse number 8 they believed and were baptized in verse number 9 and the Lord said to Paul in the night in the vision do not be afraid but go on speaking and do not be silent for I'm with you and no one will attack you or harm you for I have many in this city who are my people. At this point, we only know of two or three households that's been changed. But God said, I've got many in this city that are mine. He had some that he's claiming. Just like in your households and in your families. There's some that ain't living for God right now. But he's going ahead and he's claiming them. What? How you Elaborate on that. He causes things that are not. There are those that, are, that are, are the one that has wandered off into the wilderness that are caught up, that are off the beaten path and He's seeking for them. So, continue to pray for them. Continue to ask God to change their lives. Keep praying. Christian, don't stop praying for our God is able. As long as they draw breath, He's able to save. He's able to redeem. He's even able to heal. That's our God. This man is persuading people in Verse 13. That are worship contrary to law. But when verse 14 Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, If it was a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crimes, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it's a matter of about words and names on your own law, here this this justice of the peace, he says, See to it yourself. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And they drove him out from the tribunal. And they see, they seized Sothinus, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. Baggalo paid no attention to any of this. Already, it seems like this man took a beating. This man was converted. This man was the leader of the synagogue there in Corinth. And he takes a beating. How many of us are willing to take a beating? Mm. Why are you bringing this up, preacher? We're supposed to be talking about 1 Corinthians because this man's name comes up in 1 Corinthians. This is the cross-reference of where we learn about Sotheans. If you turn in 1 Corinthians this evening, you will see that Paul is talking about the faithful companion he has, his brother Sotheans, in verse number 1. But before we get into verse number 1 all the way, let's begin. It says, Paul called by the will of God. I want to let you know Christian this morning That God has called you It's not a general call He just don't go hey everybody come here He calls you by name He calls because the Bible says He knows his sheep by name He knows you per- That's the problem He knows you personally He knows your weakness and your feebleness He knows you by name And he calls you according to his will It doesn't call you out of obligation I feel like I gotta save him now I feel like I should. It's the right thing to do. No, He's willing to save you. Let that resonate in your heart whenever you're deciding to come to midweek service or a Sunday night or Sunday morning, even when it's raining. That He's more willing to save you than you're willing to go to church and read your Bible. Here He says, called by the will of God to be an apostle. An apostle is one who's sent. Thank God that He has filled our church with apostles, those who are sent that are going. They're going. Keep going. For he called you to go. The apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sothanese, this man took a beating. Some of us want to give up whenever we have a flat tire. We want to give up whenever we have a bad day and an achy joint. This man took a beating. So his name is mentioned here to encourage you, Christian. You have not been humiliated to the point where they drag you in the streets and beat you to the white meat show. And you are walking around cockeyed now because you took a beating for the name of Jesus. You have not took the name of Jesus to the streets to the point where they made you bleed. Mm. But would you? Let us not cower in our churches and hide like we're in a bomb shelter while the world around us rots and goes to hell. Let us go in the streets and preach the gospel because they publicly crucified our Lord and Savior. So let us publicly proclaim Him in the marketplace, in the schoolhouses, on the streets, behind the streets, wherever. Let us go forth and proclaim the good news of the gospel. Let us do it boldly. We see where this man took a beating. The reason he took the beating is because he was called. It's not that he was sent. For we studied this morning in Matthew. He says, lo, I'm with you. That even if you take a beating, he's with you in the beating. And he counts you worthy to take the beating for his name. That's the disciples' attitude about the whole thing. That they were worthy to be martyred for the name of Jesus. The problem is Christians don't want to die for Jesus, let alone live for Him. Let God change His church. Let Him rise us up. Let Him put a fire in our bellies. So we see in verse number 2 in a lukewarm place like Corinthians. The problem is this church is so much like this world. It's so much not like this world, but the world that it was in. That the people who were sanctified and saved were still holding on to their old ways. And it was seeping into the church. For those who are looking for for the perfect church, this ain't it. This ain't the perfect church it's full of people who are struggling in their in their acknowledgement of who God is It's people who are struggling in their sanctification It's people who are struggling to read their Bibles every day it's people who are struggling not to use a cuss word like a comma in their paragraph it's people who are struggling not to go back to their old addictions It's people struggling with forgiveness and mercy and grace because the reason that that is is there's no perfect church because it's full of people. Yes. Ministry will be so easy if it won't for the people. But then again, the ministry is the people. Amen. Amen. Yes. And if you find the perfect church, please don't join it. You'll mess it up with all your issues. Come on. Here, we see that Corinthians is not the perfect church. It's, it's pretty messed up we'll see where there's insets going on in the church. There's gluttony going on at the assembly where they come together. There's unruliness. There's undiscipline. There's even church members living unholy lives publicly and they allow it. There's no church discipline turning them out and hey, you can't be of us anymore. We're taking your name off the roll. It means something to be a member here. You just can't live like that. They just let them do whatever they want. And Paul is going to correct them. But before he corrects them, he tells them what God has done. So let us go together. Let's walk hand in hand with these avenues of grace and mercy let's walk down and stroll down not memory lane but grace lane and look and smell the tulips and look at all the glory that god has done for his people he has sanctified us but we might not walk in sanctification like we ought but when we understand this Mm -hmm. he might work he might work in our hearts to cause us to walk in holiness in fact it's important that he does I've told you of the blacksmith who takes the slab of silver and he wants to make a mirror out of it in biblical times. So he will scrub and rub it down until he sees his reflection in the slab of silver. That's what Christ is doing in each and every one of his people. He scrubs and rubs, removes all the dross, all the trash, all the rubbish. He gets out of the way until he sees his own reflection in you and me. So let's begin the scratching. Mm -hmm. Let's begin the purging. Mm -hmm. To the church of God that is in Corinth. He's sending this letter to the Corinthian church. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. To those who are God's sanctified he's sending it to the saints sanctified means saints i I know i joke a lot and i preach to the saints and the ain't but the saints have gathered here tonight those who are set apart for god's work called to be saints together with all those who are in every place that's us the church at Riverside, the church of Corinthians, and the church of uh, Grantham and Princeton, wherever we are. We're in, in between somewhere in there. Uh, the Noose River Islands. We're, I know our address is Princeton, but well, we're here. He's speaking to us as well because every place who call upon the name of the Lord that's us we call upon the name of the Lord because we know that we cannot earn this kind of mercy we can't make God we can't make him let us into heaven by our good works or our tithing we can't earn his favor It has to be given to us and we call upon His name and He shows us grace. Oh, that's so good. Let us marinate in this just for a moment. For it's God who saved us by His own will. It was God. I know we free will baptists. But it was freely His will that saved us. Let's, let's, Let's talk about that free will. It was Him. I don't know why He did it. I don't know why He decided to save me. But it was His own free will. And I had nothing to do with it except the sin that made it necessary. The only thing I brought to the equation was my depravity, my wickedness. And he said, I'm bigger than all that. I forgive you. I redeem you. I set you free. I sanctify you. your mind. He, he says, to those who call upon the name of the Lord in every place of our Lord Jesus, both their God. Their Lord and ours. That means Paul's God. Brother David's God. Sister Connie's God. Eddie's God. Right, yeah. It is the same God. Amen. He, if he was faithful to Paul, he'll be faithful to you. If he was faithful to David, he'll be faithful to you. If he's faithful to Solomon, he'll be faithful to you. Hallelujah. Our God does not change. The problem is that we do. Yes. But then again, Lord, let it be our prayer that, Lord, change me. Make me in your image. Make me more like you. Let me forgive like you forgive. Let me show grace like you show grace. Lord, don't let up on me just for a moment. Hold on to me with a white knuckle grip, Lord. Don't let, me, don't let me go to the left or the right. Lord, you save me. Hold on to me because I know I can't hold on to you. Amen. Here he says, grace to you and peace from God. First of all, that don't make sense to somebody who's a rebel against God. Grace to me. Grace is just another word for blessings. Blessings towards you. Unearned favor. Unmerited favor towards you. He's talking to you, church. He's talking to me. Grace to you. But you didn't earn this. It was bestowed upon. It was lavished on you. Do you feel it lavishing on you now? I'm not talking about goose pimples and feeling the back of the hairs on your neck stand up. I'm talking about looking around that it's the favor of God who's kept you, who's tethered you, who's held you. He says, grace to you and peace from God. Notice the grace comes before the peace. You'll never have the peace first without the grace. Amen. The grace comes when you hit your knees and say, Father, I've sinned against you. That's His grace towards us. It's His kindness that leads to repentance. Have you not read Romans chapter number 1? That he, ch- he, he calls you to repentance. That's His grace. If God wanted to just turn you over to your wrath, that's Him just turning you over and letting you do whatever you want. But when He calls you, that's His grace towards you. And then the peace comes. No longer are we rebels against the Holy God. No longer are we running from Him. That's what Paul says. Grace to you and peace. From where? From God our Father. No longer is He just called God. The great deity in the sky who sees us in all our flaws. But now we call Him Abba, Father. We call Him who we have close relation with. One we are personal with is what Paul says here. In the Lord Jesus Christ. This being verse number 1, 2, and 3 is the introduction that Paul gives us of who we are and who Christ is. And now he'll go into a tirade of a thanksgiving. Because you got to give thanks after you read all that. In verse number 4, I give thanks to my God always for you. Because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. Truly church, I give God thanks for the grace that I see in you. I see where God has blessed you, even when sometimes you don't even see it. That's okay. I come see you and remind you how God has blessed you and shown grace towards you. That you're not laying face down in some gutter somewhere, and some shallow grave, and lifting your eyes up from the pit of hell. That's a good day if you don't wake up in hell. For His mercies are new every morning. His grace overwhelms me. It captures me. Here we see, I give thanks to my God that Paul gives thanks and he praises God for what has taken place in the city of Corinth, even though with its flaws, even though its shaky and probably the most corrupt church in all of history, I still give God thanks for what he's done. In Christ Jesus, because it's in Jesus, it wasn't their work, it wasn't their hard work, it wasn't their tithing, it wasn't their, their energy, it wasn't their, uh, their trophies that they will put up on the wall. It was Christ who has done these things, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and knowledge. Not only is this church corrupt, but it has the most gifts. They had people who could play every instrument. They had orators, people who can stand behind the pulpit and move the crowd. They can pull on the heartstrings. But the problem was the church was impressed with people who were efficient and making sure the trains ran on time, making sure that the books were balanced, but not interested if those people were people of character. Come on. They didn't care how the minister spoke to his wife. They didn't care if the minister Treated his children well As long as he made them feel a certain Kind of way from the And get them excited And did a little jig and a jug And shuck and get people excited That's all they cared about That's all they wanted to see A performance Uh They didn't care about his character they wanted to make sure that he visited everybody in the congregation. They didn't care that he missed family night with his children. They didn't care that, that, uh, that he was cheating on his taxes. They didn't care if he was cheating on his wife with members of the church. They didn't care as long as he showed up and performed. Dance monkey dance. That's all they cared about. They wanted a character... And not people with character. Come on, church. I do you no favors if I go home and cuss my children out and get drunk and don't live what I preach. I don't do you any favors. That's right, amen. So pray for your preacher. Pray that he'll be a man of integrity. That my knees won't buckle under the pressure to change the message to fill the room. Yes. They were they were entrenched. They were captured, hypnotized, with people with all kinds of speech and all kinds of knowledge. The people who spoke here have vocabularies as long as I'm a country mile. They can they run laps around people like me. Well educated, well polished, looking the part. In verse 6, even as the testimony about Christ is confirmed among you so that you were not lacking in any gift. In verse 7 says, they had people who could prophesy over you. They had people who could play music to sway your heart and make you crumble and fall in tears. They had smoke machines and they had coffee. They had all the loudspeakers that make the hair on the back of your head just blow off because they got to keep you awake because the sermon ain't doing nothing for you anyway. Let's be honest. Uh-huh. The Corinthian church. The church was big. Everybody went here. Well I don't let you know just because the church is big don't mean it's healthy. Amen. That's right. Just because the church is growing mm-hmm. no not mean it's healthy. Did you know cancer grows too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unhealthy things grow too. That's right. Honey. And Paul is correcting these people because they need it. Do you think is just Sitting in Ephesus, because that's where he wrote it from, and he's just rubbing his hands and says, I'm just going to come at him hard. I'm just going to come out with fire and brimstone. I'm sure as he was pinning on that parchment paper, tears in his eyes. As a father who corrects his son. Any father who smiles and gleams as he's getting ready to paddle or belt his child has a hard heart. But a father who'll weep with a child in the middle of the discipline shows the passion and the care. That's needed in that relationship. Right. Right. Yes. Paul's writing. So that you are not lacking in any gift. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will sustain you to the end. Notice. Even with all their giftings. Their churches growing. They need to be reminded it's Christ who will sustain them to the end. Just like our church. Riverside, it will be Christ who will sustain you. Yes. Listen to me. Yes. The money will dry up. The friends will eventually fade away. Family will forget to call you back. Yeah. But Jesus will sustain you. Amen. What you doing? You just talking yourself out of a job. Yeah, I sure am. I know you got to call the preacher, and that's fine. You can, and I will encourage you. But you know what you're going to hear when you call me? Trust Jesus. Take it to Jesus in prayer. Let's pray together to Jesus. Let's talk to Jesus about it. And if you need a shoulder to cry, I'm here. I, I will cry with you, and we'll walk together with you. But I will not take the place of Christ. Far too long, as preacher, preachers are trying to make their congregations codependent. And I will not have it here. I will keep pointing to Christ. He is your redeemer. He is the one who will show you. He will illuminate the path. He will hold on to you. He will steady you. He will anchor you. He says he will sustain you to the end. Guiltless. (laughs) I like that part. That's really good to me. I like that part. But maybe it's not to you. Maybe it's not that big of a deal to you. Because you're not guilty. But oh, bruh. If you knew. If you knew my rap sheet, not at the courthouse, obviously, maybe. I'm, I'm not saying. But if you knew my rap sheet in heaven, if you knew the offenses I've committed against the Holy God, Come on. you wouldn't want to hear what i got to say. But then again, I don't know what you've done. So when I read that I'm guiltless before God, He will sustain me to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. On that day when I stand before Him, he won't condemn me because of my trust in Him. I'm just going to put my trust in Him. I'm going to trust. Not my tithing record. Not my church attendance. Not just being a good boy. Not just holding it down. Being a good citizen. A red blood the American capitalism. Rah, rah, rah. All because of Jesus I'm guiltless. On. Yes. Amen. Thank you, on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how I'm going to get through verse 9. Give me a minute. Let me stretch. Cuz this verse, this is one of my favorite verses. I just can't get past it. When people walk out on you. People say they're going to do stuff. They don't. When things fall through, plans just crumble like sandcastles at the beach. People fold like a cheap lawn chair. Verse 9 breaks through the darkness. It illuminates everything. It holds us. In fact, take this verse. Wrap it up around you like a warm blanket. And be secure. And be strong for what ails you on Monday morning. Yes. God is faithful. Hallelujah. God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful to the people in the back. God is faithful to the people who should be sitting in the choir. God is faithful is what it says. God is faithful. He won't faithful. She walked out. They left. They broke my heart. That church did me wrong. The people said this about me. You know what's louder? God is faithful. The word faithful in the Hebrew is said... It means never ceasing, loyal, steadfast love, never changing. Has said, God is chesed. God is faithful. <laughs> I love that. I love that he's faithful. God is faithful by whom you are called. There it is. He keeps calling. God calls his people. God calls his people. Do you think he goes, hey, y'all. No he calls you by name Jesus calls you by name He says Drew you're mine He calls you by name He says James you're mine He says Silas you're mine Addison you are mine No one's going to take you away from me You're mine forever Nothing will change that You'll always be mine I know your daddy's got big hands They're big hands. And he's strong. But there's one stronger. One more faithful. One no one will ever beat. And he says that about you. That you're his. You know what? That's awesome. (laughs) He he says God is faithful by whom you were called. Miss Sheila, he says you're mine. And he calls you by name. That's the thing. He knows you by name. Amen. By whom you were called into the fellowship. Oh, there it is, fellowship. Wow, that means you got to be in fellowship. Yeah. He got real quiet. Amen. But when he calls you, he do not call you to be alone. Come on. Ooh. Preacher's about to get fired. <laughs> Let's go for Brooke. He calls us into fellowship. Who's the fellowship? Obviously, it's with him, but it's also with the family. Amen. That's right. Your father. Your daddy can call you to Sunday dinner. And you can go or not go. The family will come together. But if you don't go, it will affect your relationship with your earthly father. Absolutely. That's why you don't deny the assembly together. That's why you make it a point to be in the house of the Lord with the family. We're coming together. We're breaking bread. We're walking out our faith with fear and trembling together. We are acknowledging the author and the finisher of our faith. We're trusting in Him because He's faithful. And to the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The reason He's starting with fellowship here is because from verse 10 on, He starts to talk about division in the church. He starts talking about how the body of Christ is almost chopped up. That there's cliques that are starting within the body of Christ. And he starts talking to the Corinthian church who are so carnal, they prefer certain preachers over others. They start almost joining gangs. Oh, Riverside? Falling Creek? I'm in that gang. Don't come over here. We'll punch you in the face. Don't you come over here. We're the gang. Our preachers number one. Our deacons are the baddest around. We got the best band. My band's better than yours. Woo! You know the gang. You know what gang? Yeah, buddy. We're rah! we're number one. This is a gang that started within the church. Oh, I know there ain't no gangs here. Come <laughs> on. I know there's some that don't like me, there's some that don't prefer me, some that do like me, some that's pretending. But that's okay. But Paul's going to correct all that here. Yes, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind, in the same judgment. He's telling them here to be united in their theology, in their thinking, in their knowledge. Mm-hmm. There's no room here for splinter cells. Uh, spooky and weird people that we all agree that the Bible is the Word of God Amen. we all agree that he is the Son of God, God in the flesh, that he died and three days later rose again proving that he is God, and those who simply trust in him are saved by faith and faith alone. come on there's no room for anything else. we can't change it. we're not going to bring the Book of Mormon in here to bring up, hey let's do this on Sunday school and just let's just try something different. we're not going to do that that we're united. And our minds are made up. In verse eleven, fool has been reported to me by Cleo's people that there is quarrelling among you, my brothers. I want to let you know in verse eleven that Cleo is not a woman, even though it sounds like a woman. You got to remember this is biblical times because he says, "My brothers," he's telling him that he seen this person, Cleo, this man Cleo, he's telling him there's divisions in the church. Yes. Now, how we get in our parking lot? Circles and we start talking about other things in the church and it causes divisions. This is what he's talking about here. There's quarreling among you. In verse 12, that I'm, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? The problem with a church that's over 100 years old is that some of the members remember some of the old pastors and they'll always compare you to the old pastors. And I'm fine with that because I'm in the shadow of some mighty preachers. Brother Coates, I could never live up to that. There's Dennis Pollock, who's a machine who's been in ministry for 40 years. And if I pray that God gives me the ability, endurance, and the strength to even preach half that long. But I'm not Dennis Pollock. I'm not Brother Coates. I'm not your former pastors. I'm me. I'm the least of all pastors. If you if you had a pick, you wouldn't have picked me. And I don't know how we ended up like this in this situation. But God called me here. And He called you to come and hear what the Word of the Lord says and not my opinions and not my thoughts. Before we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And if you miss your old pastors, you can go dig them up and listen to them. Or you can go down the street and listen to them. But in the meantime, I'm going to be standing behind this pulpit until you vote me out or God says hit the road and I'll be faithful at my post. Amen. And I know that may be a little strong Kool-Aid for somebody, but somebody just needed to hear it. I want to be faithful. Amen. God is faithful. Will you be faithful? Amen. Hallelujah. He says uh, that there who say, I follow Paul. There's nothing wrong with Paul. There's nothing wrong with Apollos. If you remember, Apollos shows up later in chapter 19 of Acts. He's a fiery young preacher. He goes to Corinthians and he starts preaching the gospel there. And he sets the church on fire. However, with a fiery preacher, does not guarantee that the church will be reformed. Not everybody there would adhere to the gospel and be transformed. So I don't take it personally when people in the pulpit don't. Listen to what God says. I, I, don't, I used to do I used to gauge my performance by how many pews were empty or how many people served God. Not anymore. I've been set free from that. Amen. Let me just preach what God has told me to say Amen. and live my life as a pleasing sacrifice to Him. And the rest is on you. For Jesus was the best preacher who ever preached. And yet one of His disciples was a devil still. That's right. So if you're going to shack up, stay shacked up. That ain't got nothing to do with me. If you're sleeping around, you sleep around. That's you. If you're cheating or doing this or that behind the scenes, that's on you. And let it be known that God sees it all. He sees it all and ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll be found faithful. Amen. If you don't like that, business meetings in a couple weeks. Amen. Y'all think I'm trying to get fired, but I'm not. I just always preach with my resignation letter in my pocket in case you don't want to hear it anymore. I'll find a pulpit. Or God will find me a pulpit where those people will be receptive with what saith the Lord. You knew when we are going into 1 Corinthians it wasn't going to be daisies and rainbows. You knew that. It wasn't going to be Skittles and Hershey Kisses. You knew this was going to be hard meat. Mm, so on. let's break our teeth on it and continue. Yes. Mm. He says... I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. There ain't nothing wrong with Cephas. That's Peter. He's one of the disciples. I follow Christ. Not only here at Riverside, but we just do that across the board in all denominations and all Christianity anyway. I'm for Jimmy Swaggart. Oh, I, I love Rob Parsley. I, I love CBN News. I love uh, Pat Robson. We do that across the board and we join, join gangs and we defend preachers more than we pr- defend the gospel. listen oh I follow Christ is Christ divided is Jesus walking around disjointed is his arm over here and his leg over there and they just don't get along is what Paul says was Paul crucified for you Paul asked his church was he crucified for them I'm going to ask our church I, 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 was I crucified for you no So if your preacher says something off color, but when he's not behind the pulpit, show grace and mercy. When you see that I, I fell here or I, I slipped there and I'm not keeping my P's and Q's and, my, and everything up right like I'm supposed to show grace and mercy because I didn't die for you. I'm a flawed man just like you are. Speaking of which, this morning when I was preaching, I transposed the ninth and eighth commandment. And I noticed that many people were like, wait a minute. And they caught me. I was like, okay, I did do that. And you know what? It tickled the preacher. Because it showed me that I've been faithful here and you're hearing it. And you're memorizing it. Psalms 119. I hid his word in my heart that I don't sin against him. That you know his laws and his commandments. And then when I slip and I mess up, you knew, you saw it. Because some of you told me afterwards, hey, you you, you put the ninth commandment into stealing. You, you flipped over. It was good to my soul. So thank you for adhering and let it fall on good ground. And pray that when I slip and when I mess up, because as I grow older, I find that I'm slipping up quite often, or I'm admitting it more. <laughs> and pray that God helps me and keeps tight watch over me. Amen. That I study to show myself approved. Amen. Thank you, Church. Thank you for. Thank you. That's just good to me. After, after seven years of plowing into the ground, God is doing this. work. it's so good to me. Amen. Let's continue. That was just good to me. That's just a moment. It's Christ divided, Paul crucified for you. Oh, you baptized in the name of Paul. You notice, congregation, that I make it a point when we baptize here because I love baptisms. I tried to get the fathers to baptize the daddies, no matter how old they are. I get the daddy to do it because preachers come and go. But that's your daddy. He's the head, high priest of the household. He's supposed to lead the family. And you'll remember the day you were baptized or the day you baptized your children. Amen. Amen. That's what Paul says, I didn't baptize. See, there ain't nothing wrong with baptizing. He wasn't trying to baptize people to get a crowd around him saying, Well, I baptized you. Now you're mine. You're in my gang." That's what Paul's doing here in Corinth as he starts to teach. So that no one, in verse 15, No one may say that they were baptized in my name. In verse 16, did I baptize also the household of Stephanas? Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptize anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Mm. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of his power. Mm. Church, God didn't call me to go feed the homeless. He called Eddie to do that. Mm-hmm. God didn't call me to work with the middle schoolers. Over abroad he called Edwin to do that. Amen. He didn't call me to well he didn't call me to the prison, praise God. He called me to but he didn't call me to do the food pantry around the corner. He called Angie to do that. He didn't call me to lead the ladies' auxiliary, he called Miss Connie to do that. Church, he's called you to do those things. And he's called me to preach. Amen. That I might be faithful to that. Did He call me to go to your barbecue every weekend. Go play ping pong at your house. Just sit around with you. And kiss your boo-boos. And handle your troubles and be your personal counselor. Don't get me wrong. I do house calls and I will stop by your house and see you. But I'm trying to preach myself out of a job. I'm telling you to cast your cares on Christ. For He cares for you. Preachers will come and go. You know this. Preachers will come and go. But Jesus is eternal. verse 9 says he's faithful he's faithful when preachers are not faithful he is when deacons are not faithful he is when Sunday school attendance is not faithful he is when choir directors are not faithful he is Jesus is faithful I want to let you know that he said "I I did not come with words of eloquent wisdom I'm glad I'm glad because I, I can barely speak English. I can't speak Spanish like Edwin. I don't even ask. That's why I ask him to say it first and I try to mimic it. Uh, I, I barely got a grasp on the English language. I can't do gymnastics with it. And he says, let the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. Mm. The simple gospel which was presented to you this morning. You heard the gospel. Some of you, I saw tears in your eyes as it was like a sweet melody that you remember. You know, melody, it causes for you to have memory. You got to remember the next beat. Oh yeah, I like. okay, I know what's next. Uh, 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 and you hear the drums and you remember. So when the preacher recounts all the laws of Moses and how we're slain, we also remember how the beat changes as the nails are driven into the hands of Jesus the thunder rolls over uh, Mount Calvary as Jesus hangs his head with tears in his eyes and says father why have thou forsaken me and the beat changes again as he looks up into your head I commence my spirit and he gives up himself to save wretches like us then the mourning and the slow song starts to dip and you can feel the heaviness of the heart as they take him down wrapped him in spices and laid him in a tomb and that song continues for three days. People mourn. The heart strings are pulled. People bawl and weep because all hope is lost. But then on that third day, the stone rolls away. The trumpets blast. The earth shakes. And our Lord stands victorious walking outside the grave. And he tells us to trust in him. Oh, what a sweet song. Amen. Can you hear it? Oh, it's like music to my ears. And I'll never get past it. I'll never get over it. That Jesus would die for a wretch like me. Amen. And you notice all the words I use, maybe five or six-letter words. I can't say that he is the hypostatic union. I can't spell that. I don't even I know what it means. I don't have a great college degree to just drop on you. Come on. Mm. But then again, you don't need that. You just need it plain. You need it plain. As well as the seven-year-old here in the corner needs it that Jesus died for sinners because that's all there is. And that's good enough. We don't need to change it up. We don't need to take the old rugged cross to bring it in the front. Throw some glitter. Throw some lights on it. Put a smoke machine around it. And maybe sand it down so the edges ain't so rough. Maybe paint it. Make it gold. Put rainbows on it. Whatever. Just anything that that would hide the stains of the blood. Get rid of those thorns. Let's put a a robe over it and make it plush and Louis Vuitton. Let's put some fuzzy dice here. Anything. Let's just forget the cross. Put a Anything else so there mm. Come on. no let's mention Jesus yes. let's mention the cross Amen. let's mention hell let's m- mention death hell and the grave let's mention victory let's mention comfort mercy and grace that's what he says here lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power the cross is working his power here tonight for it's the cross that saves sinners not therapy, not medicine. Come on they say that you got issues, and you just need therapy no you you just need to repent. Yes. Amen. trust in Jesus. Yes. Jesus. He died for sinners like me. let's bow our heads and pray Father tonight I, I pray. To